It is December 26th, and I would love to know when is it okay to take down your Christmas decorations? If you can let us know just in the chat,、uh, when do you take them down? In my family, it's not before January 1st. So since we're here, I think it's way too soon to move on from the Christmas story and the Christmas season because it's just too soon, right? It's just way too soon. And uh, uh, we've been talking about、um, the, the Christmas story through the eyes of Mary and Joseph and, and the people that came into their lives. And today we're going to continue talking about Christmas stories. And I know along with the Christmas season, There's a lot of times that we talk about the joy and the wonder and all the, the touchy feely good emotions.、Uh, but I'm also aware, as I'm sure you are, that real life happens during the Christmas season and that a lot of times many of us can have mixed feelings when we come into the season. And, and some of us may feel even guilt and shame or, or a sense of isolation at the Christmas season because it feels like everybody is just. Uh, eating sugar plums and having sleigh rides and, and opening all the presents under the tree. But what about, what about me? Well, I want to let you know if that's how you feel, there's space for you here and,、uh, and, and you're not alone.、Uh, and today I want us to take a look at,、uh, the, we're going to get to a passage, but also take a moment to, to Experience a true Christmas story that happened in Springfield, Missouri to the Arnold family、uh, a few decades ago. And、uh, to watch what this family goes through, I think it's important that you know that it is a true story because as you go through this, you may think, oh no, they just made that up. But I think as we As we,、uh, as we go through these stories and tell the stories of God's faithfulness、uh, today, I think it will strengthen us and give us、uh, a reminder of the hope that God brings and the hope that's embedded in the Christmas story, but also throughout the text and how God wants to take us through all the tough seasons and all the storms that come into our lives. So、uh, hopefully, yeah, if, if you're watching this live, maybe. You can grab some snacks, grab an extra cup of coffee, and we're going to take in this amazing story of what God did in the lives of the Arnold family. So check it out. It's been a long time now, decades in fact, but in the space of a year, we had a sequence of events that was unbelievable for one family, and it changed us. It started when our little one year old, Kathy, came down with a serious lung infection. We thought we were going to lose her, didn't we, hon? Well, that's what the doctors were telling us, but God touched her and she came through okay. Then Cynthia, our seven year old, woke up crying one night and there was this big knot on her shoulder. We had no idea where it came from. It just appeared there, but it turned out to be a tumor with roots that reached all the way down the front of her chest. It took surgery to remove it, but the doctors got it all. Turns out it wasn't malignant. Thank God. So she came home and. That was about the time Kenny got sick. He'd been falling down a lot. We didn't think anything was wrong until he tripped one day and had a hard time getting up. I just remember him looking up and saying, Daddy, my legs hurt. It broke my heart. We took him right to the emergency room and the news wasn't good. It was polio. And spinal meningitis. He was in the hospital for weeks. His little legs started shriveling up. 
We took turns staying with him so we wouldn't be alone. I remember thinking, oh Lord, please let him sleep tonight. Just one night. Daddy! Daddy! King, what is it, son? Daddy, pick me up! But you like Please put me in your bed. The next morning, we begged the doctors to let us take him home. He told us that it looked like Kenny had passed through the worst of it and that he'd be okay. On Monday, I went to work at the Bible College. The whole student body prayed for Kenny at chapel that morning. But as soon as it was over, I came home because we had to take him to the doctor. As soon as I saw Virginia's face, my heart sank. I thought, we should never have brought him home. What have I done? What is it? What's wrong? I was so afraid of what I would find. Look, Daddy! Look! (laughs) Wow! Look at you! This little boy's leg was half the size of the other. His neck had stiffened. His eyes didn't line up. And now, completely normal. Perfect. Healed. How? He just... (laughs) He just was laying on the floor and he pulled himself up and just started walking. (laughs) Just like that. And he was totally healthy from then on. Which is more than we can say for you. I came down with hepatitis later that year. For a while there, the doctor didn't think I'd make it. You were sick in bed for three months. And I couldn't work. A preacher who couldn't preach. We were already underwater because of all the medical bills. Sicknesses, surgeries. Remember, this was all within a single year. And now it was December. We've got to tell them. Tell who? Tell the kids. It's not going to be any Christmas. Try to explain why. There is going to be a Christmas. Maybe no presents, but there will be Christmas. Virginia, I know what you're trying to say, but I just don't think I can do it. Breaks my heart. We got nothing to give those kids this year. I'd rather just forget the whole holiday than to get their hopes up and then let them down. I know, but they've been begging me for a tree. <laughs> we just can't. They're Not just... something you buy. Something out back on the property. Why can't they do that? Because there won't be anything to put underneath it. And... Okay. But nothing too big. I'm glad to hear you say that. (laughs) Come look over here. (laughs) What are they doing out there? Cutting down a Christmas tree? That's not a Christmas tree. That's definitely not cutting. What are they using for tools? (laughs) Well, Frosty's got his little Cub Scout hatchet. Frosty was what we called our son, Forrest Jr. He was hacking away at that poor cedar for all he was worth. Maybe I should go help them. No. Let them do it. They'll manage. And perhaps they will. But tonight, I mean it. Family meeting. Now, even with all these medical bills, well, 
God's still providing all of our needs. What I'm trying to say is, well, what it comes down to is, there just isn't any money left, so there isn't going to be any gifts this year. But next year, God willing, things will be different. You'll see. It's okay, Dad. We didn't want anything anyway. Daddy, does this mean we're poor? Yeah. I guess it does. It means we're kind of poor. Come on, kids. Let's head off to bed. I'm gonna stay and pray a little while. Are you okay? I wasn't planning on much of a prayer. To be honest, I just wanted to complain. God, is it wrong for me to want to see those kids' faces light up on Christmas morning? I've been serving you for so long. Sacrifice so much. Wasn't it enough? Everybody else's children in this town will have a gift to open. Please, if I've done something wrong, those children shouldn't have to. Brother Arnold, so this is your house. Gee. <laughs> What's it been, six months? Uh, I thought you and Judy were moving out of state. We did. Well, we are. We sent the furniture on down the road a few days ago, and uh, we're headed out of town actually now. Judy and the kids are in the car. Is everything all right? You need a place to stay? No, no, nothing like that. Listen, we were out on the interstate a while ago, and suddenly Judy says, Gene, God's talking to me. Well, he must have been talking to me, too, because I looked back at her and said, is it about the Arnolds? She just nodded yes, so I said, you better write it down. <laughs> write what down? The message. God gave her a message. So we pulled off the highway and thought we'd try to find your place. I only been here once, it was in the daytime, so I figured I'd just knock on every door till we found the right one. But what do you know, yours was the first driveway we pulled into. Ain't God good? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's So, good. Uh, like I said, Judy and the kids are in the car and we got a long way to go tonight. So, God bless you, brother, and Merry Christmas. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Who was that at the door? I was Jean and Judy. Well, Jean, anyway. I thought they were moving. Well, they brought us this. Forest in Virginia, we just want you to know that God has told us that He still cares about you and He knows what's happening and everything's going to be all right. And we want to be a blessing too. Inside the note was $100. That was a lot of money back then. Almost like a thousand today. We hadn't seen Gene and Judy for months. Had no way of knowing what we were going through, and no idea how much of a blessing they really were. So, what do you want to do with this? Pay some bills? <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the best year we'd ever had, but it was definitely the best Christmas. Years later, the kids wouldn't remember exactly what toy they each got that morning. But they'd remember something far more important, that God could be counted on to come through no matter what the circumstances. And when the circumstances are impossible, 
God can give you a miracle. Daddy, does this mean we're not poor anymore? Dad was wrong, son. We didn't have any money, but we were never poor. Stay with us because there is more to that story and a twist that you will not believe. But before we get back to the Arnold family, I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. And we're going to pick up in verse 13 after the birth of Jesus and, and Matthew telling us about the shepherds coming and the magi visiting. And in this next verse, it's when they all leave. So uh, in verse 13, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So they got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. So, yeah, Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> you know, so much of my, my life, my adult life, and especially in my teenage and childhood years, learning the Christmas story, I always thought that the ending was there in the manger and then we would we would skip to Jesus in the temple because at Christmas we stop with that moment they the the finish line for me was in the manger and at the nativity scene but I've been fascinated how how now when Jesus came into their lives all the threats didn't go away and and there was still danger and how many times do you and I uh, fall into that trap of, oh, well, I've got Jesus in my life, and then and then bumps and challenges come into our life, and we're like, wait a minute, <laughs> I'm following God, I'm obeying God, in spite of all these crazy circumstances, and God's like, okay, do this, you're, you're not there yet, we still have a journey to go on. And as I, as I ponder those passages, it sticks out to me that a baby posed a threat to the most powerful man around. And uh, we, we talk about King Herod like as a, as a side part. He's a, he's a character in, in these, these first few chapters in Jesus' life. But he was a really big deal in the nation of Israel and in, in the region of Palestine. And the, the, the scale of things that he built and the lengths he went through went to, to to retain power and to expand his power were crazy. So the, the thought that this man who controlled armies and a ton of wealth would be threatened by this baby foreshadows the rest of Jesus' story. And wherever you land with Jesus, if you're here just checking out the church thing, we're so glad that you're here and you're welcome here. But wherever you are in your journey with Jesus, 
you have to say that people found him a threat, whether it was King Herod or the religious leaders of the day. And it was because Jesus upset their power games. And, and Jesus wound up suffering the fate, the usual fate of people who speak to power. So from here on out, the shadow of the cross, Matthew is, is, is bringing this into the story and it, it dominates. Uh, it's always in the background in Jesus' story for the rest of the book of Matthew. And, and this, this Herod, who was a big deal, he was crazy. You know, scholars uh, are, postulate all kinds of things. Uh, you know, Josephus tells us he had syphilis and that, it, that it, it drove him crazy. Like He went to the lengths where he killed his own family to retain power. Some of his sons he took out so that they wouldn't um, become king before he was, uh, before he was gone. And uh, one of the, the craziest stories about Herod is just before he died, he gave orders to his soldiers to go and uh, w- whenever Herod died to go and kill other people because he wanted to make sure that there was, there was sadness when he died. And he at least knew enough that there wouldn't be all sadness when he died. So he gave his orders uh, to these soldiers that as soon as I die, go and kill a bunch of people. Like just crazy. And when he died, a lot of the soldiers kind of tucked the the orders away. But as his power of Herod, as his power increased in life, his paranoia kept growing and growing. And it's in this context that the gospel of Jesus came to earth into a land that was filled with trouble and tension and times that were filled with violence and fear. I don't know about you, but that's that's not my typical thoughts of the next the next act of the Christmas scene, the next act of the Christmas story. It's in the midst of all of this chaos and uncertainty that Jesus came. You know, before the Prince of Peace had learned to walk and talk, he was a homeless refugee with a price on his head. I mean, Joseph and Mary up to this point had trusted and obeyed. They, uh, and God kept his promises, but these times must have been gut-wrenching. And there was so much more uh, to, to their story as they went on. And it had to have seemed like, like a backwards move. Like, wait, I thought this is of God and God sent this. And we're still trying to, to wrestle with, with what this baby actually means. And now we're going back to Egypt where our ancestors were in slavery? I can't imagine the tension that they must have felt. And um, I'm so glad that we have an example of them obeying and Joseph getting up and taking the baby and his mother to Egypt. But there is so much more to their story. And as we'll see, there's so much more to the Arnold story. So let's see what happens in the next part of their, uh, in the next part of their journey. Daddy, why can't we keep it? It's dead, sweetheart. Christmas is over. This tree needs to go. We'll get another one next year. I like this tree. Why don't we plant it? You know, outside. <laughs> we, we cut the roots off. The roots don't go back. Can't we just plant it anyway? Yeah, Dad. Can't we just plant it anyway? 
Whose side are you on? Can't you tell? Okay, we'll take it out back, put it up somewhere, and come next spring, push it over and get rid of it then. Fair enough? You're a good dad. The kids helped me dig a hole, push the tree down into it, and arrange some big rocks to keep it from falling over. They thought we were planting it. I thought we were throwing it away. It sat out there in the ice and snow until you went out to mow the lawn for the very first time that spring. I couldn't believe it. Little bitty green shoots were coming out of that tree. That thing was alive. It was growing. And it's still there to this day. We thought the miracle was the hundred dollars, and it was. We thought the miracle was all the healings God had given us, and it was. But God brought life out of something that was dead. Every time we stood under the shade of that tree, it reminded us that no matter how hopeless things look, disease, decay, and despair don't get the last word. Whatever it takes, God will bring us through anything and everything that comes along. I love getting to see the pictures of the actors that played the Arnold family with the real Arnold family and the fact that the tree grew. I mean, that was those that was footage of the real tree that they put in their backyard and that had snow all over it all winter. And it was 50 feet tall. And uh, a fun little fact about the story is that um, when, when it was being shot, that tree was scheduled to be cut down the next week. So it was, it was another miracle in the story. And now even though the kids are all grown, some of them are, are middle-aged, uh, the family got to keep the wood from that tree and they made furniture of it. So that, that, that story of God's faithfulness, there's a, there is a reminder for the Arnold family of what God did for them all of those years ago. Well, let's, let's go back to the story of Jesus and, and, and Mary and Joseph's response to this warning that, that Herod was out to kill Jesus and all the babies in the region that were under two years old. Uh, Matthew continues in verse 17 and said, This was said through the prophet Jeremiah, and it was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. And readers of the Bible have been puzzled over this, this jumble and uh, mis- mismatch, but they're matched, but this mashup of quotes from the Old Testament. And they're wondering, why is, why is Matthew putting all of these things together? It's because he's hinting that Jesus brings deliverance even when theme, things seem bleak and hopeless. That God has been talking about this happening for a long time. And I love that Matthew links the setting of the family. They, they return when it's safe to return from Egypt. They go back to Nazareth. And in the original language, there's a little wordplay going on because the word Nazir means branch. And he had quoted, Matthew had quoted Isaiah 11.1 1, that says, a branch shall grow out of the root of Jesse. In other words, new beginnings will be made from, from the royal house of David. So to the original recipients of this letter, their, their mind is lighting up right here because they would understand this whole passage is promising a deliverer, 
and salvation from from oppression, from injustice, and there's hope for the future. And Matthew is determined to deliver hints of this wherever he possibly can. So Jesus, you know, in in this story, it's not despite of the frantic and tragic events that happened around his birth and all of these, these unforeseen circumstances, but because of them, God, right in the middle of dysfunction and violence and, and fear, God sent Jesus in the middle of all of that to be the rescue that Israel longed for and through Jesus begin the, the, the work of restoring justice for the entire world. And you know, in this text, we haven't heard the last of Herod, his his sons would go on to to play a a part in Jesus' story. But this young baby who was born to be the true king of the Jews was introduced as the bearer of God's salvation and God's personal presence on earth. And from now on, Jesus invites us to watch God's plan, uh, God's new exodus, if you will, as it unfolds before our eyes. We see it in the text. And I want to remind you that God isn't done. Even though things seem hopeless at times and that it's so difficult to keep up with the rate of change now. It seems like the world changes every couple of weeks uh, and, it's, and it's happening before our eyes. God is here. God is moving our creation and, and is at work. And it seems like sometimes behind the scenes, but God is still in control and in your life. In your life, it may, there may be pain, uh, health problems, financial worries, anxiety, um, all relational dysfunction. God is not far away from you and wants to come in the middle of those circumstances and, and, and bring about your own salvation and your own deliverance. And Matthew's invitation to us right here is to trust Jesus as he still is establishing his kingdom on earth. So with examples of of families like the Arnolds, with with the examples of Mary and Joseph, I want to invite you here in this moment to turn over whatever you're carrying around that's weighing you down. I want to invite you to to ask God to make himself a make make himself so real to you right now even if your circumstances don't change but for those of you that just need a, a supernatural extra touch extra nudge an extra extra portion of hope today i want to pray especially for you and and that god would take those things uh, off of your heart and mind in a way where where you receive something better and you receive some hope uh, for this next year that's coming up. So if that's you, uh, as a reminder, we can pray with you uh, individually. If you let us know in the comments uh, uh, or send us a private message, uh, we are here for you. But in this moment, I want to pray for you right now and, and just invite you to hold your hands up wherever you are. If that's you, that, um, that, that you need an extra infusion of hope today, um, please join in this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that, that you didn't just come into a, a, an easy situation, but not even, not even the most harrowing of circumstances stood in the face of your, 
your coming and leaving the comfort and safety of heaven to be with us. And would you please do that for us right now? God, we turn over anxiety to you. We turn over fears to you. We ask for your wisdom and ask for your guidance in all of the challenges that we are facing. And we are trusting you. And we are we're trusting you to be the God we know you are. So will you please do a mighty work in us? And until you do, would you please give us strength from outside of ourselves to hang on to your promises and hang on to your son, Jesus Christ? And would you please make yourself tangibly present to those of us that are facing difficult circumstances? In the mighty and powerful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Okay, friends. Uh, We will be with you again, but in the next time, it'll be 2022. So we will see you next year. But until then, as a reminder, we really mean it. You can always reach out to us on social media or at sgbic.com. We're praying for you that you have a safe and healthy and happy new year. And we love you so much. So until we're together again, may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine down upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and turn his face towards you. And may the Lord give you his peace. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen.